0: Hi, everybody. My name is Hafa Lombardino, and this is Translation Confessional. I'm sure you've heard that Audible is the leading library for audiobooks, right? But have you given it a try yet? There are literally hundreds of thousands of titles you can choose from, And you'll be saving tons of money if you sign up for a premium account. For $14.99 a month, you get one credit to download any book you want, whose price tag is usually around 20 bucks or so. Right there, you'd be saving money and keeping up with your book addiction at the same time. They have books in different languages too. And some classics are for free, so you don't have to apply your monthly credit to it. You just download the audiobook and enjoy it. And that goes without saying that they have some exclusive content read by incredible actors. So if you close your eyes, it really feels like you're at a theater listening to a play on stage. On top of that, you can also check out the latest trending podcasts. And yes, you can listen to Translation Confessional on Audible too. If you're not yet sure whether Audible is right for you, I dare you to give it a try. Get a 30-day trial and enjoy your first book for free. But I bet you'll get hooked on it and add audiobooks to your routine. Make sure you use the link in this episode's description so they'll know Translation Confessional sent you their way. Then come back to me and let me know what books you're listening to. I hope you enjoy it. Translation, localization, and transcreation. Let's talk about three concepts often used in our field. Translation, localization, and transcreation. Many people still get these concepts confused because clients may refer to all of them as translation. I mean, Clients sometimes request a translation when they actually need transcription, subtitling, or even interpretation. But I digress. When talking to my students at Tools and Technology in Translation, I try to make them aware of these different concepts related to the act of translating a message from source language into the target language. Knowing that different kinds of services exist helps students understand that they can specialize in a given variety and find their niche. Regardless of what a client may request, because some clients don't quite get what it is that we do, we must pay attention to the nature of the original material and the purpose of the translation task we are about to perform, so we can better serve our real clients, that is, the target audience that will be consuming the fruits of our labor. So, besides straight-up translation. When we carry the meaning from the original language to the target language, we have these two tasks that involve some level of adaptation, which goes beyond translating. When we talk about localization, we must think about making sure that the source material will be adapted to the local audience that will receive the product of our translation. Localization tasks seem to be often associated with technical translations. That is, when you're translating something technical in U.S. English that mentions miles, inches, pounds, and Fahrenheit, we usually have to localize those units of measure into something else that is used in the country where the translation is destined to. Because I work with Brazilian Portuguese, I must adapt these units of measure into kilometers, centimeters, Kilos and Celsius, for example. Funny thing is that this kind of localized content is usually red flagged as a mistake by some cat tools. And it's just because the numbers don't match since they were converted. For example, as we started to work on a lot of materials about COVID 19, the original text written in the United States would mention keep six feet distance. Translating it as Mantenha seis space de distância won't quite mean anything in Brazil. I mean, someone could try to take six short steps towards the other person to make sure they were keeping the correct social distance, but that would defeat the purpose of the message, right? Because you would eventually have to get closer to the other person to understand exactly what six feet or short steps actually means. Well, in good, intelligible Portuguese, we would say Mantenha dois metros de distância, and localize six feet into two meters. Is that the exact conversion? No, it would actually be 1.82 meter, I believe, but that's beside the point. In this kind of localization, it's the message that actually matters. Brazilians can tell what two meters distance is, just as Americans can tell what six feet distance means. That's the measurement each target audience is used to, so it's mission accomplished when these numbers are localized accordingly. Now, if you're translating something highly technical, let's say, related to chemistry, physics, engineering, architecture, an approximate unit of measure just won't do, right? Otherwise, your target audience may mess up a chemical formula or a building may end up being slanted. But localization is also used in other fields, and most notably, I should mention it's something that has become quite important when negotiating a book translation with authors. In that case, though, author and translator must decide on an approach, domestication or foreignization. So, domestication would be close to localization, and that a fiction book would go through some adaptations to match what's expected by readers in the target language. As for foreignization, that's the approach that allows book translators to keep the flavor of the original, so readers can come in contact with a culture and sometimes keywords from the source language and country. As for transcreation, it goes beyond translation in that we don't have to stay true to the words in the original, but to the actual purpose that the client has in mind. It's a highly creative process, and it may not be for everybody. I enjoy transcreation requests because of my background in social communications, since I went to college to study journalism, advertising, marketing, and public relations. So when it comes to transcreating content between my source and target language, I put my journalist hat back on and get ready to sell the idea of the original in a way that will be enticing to those consuming my transcreation because it will most likely involve persuasive language to convince the target audience to buy a product, a service, or an entire brand identification experience. Before we continue, let me tell you a bit about Squarespace. I've been using it for both my corporate and my professional websites, and it's made a world of difference for my business. First of all, it saves me a lot of time because their web designing platform is so easy to use. I don't have to figure things out. I just add different elements to a page, check if it looks pretty, and publish it. I can move things around quickly and adjust my homepage as needed, so I can let you know about my upcoming classes, webinars, and speaking events. I've added different sections to the menu too, as my content has started to grow, and everything is organized perfectly. Besides, Squarespace allows me to see what each page will look like in different formats, whether people are visiting my website on a computer, tablet, or smartphone. That way, I can make sure nothing looks clunky and everyone can get the information they need in a visually pleasant way. I can also check out some behind-the-scenes information to confirm that my outreach efforts are working. I can see where the traffic to my website is coming from, what keywords visitors used on Google searches to get to my content, and where in the world my audience is located which is perfect when I want to explore some opportunities with translation clients in different markets. If you don't have a professional website yet, or if your current setup has let you down, I know for a fact that Squarespace is exactly what you need to recreate your business image and your brand so clients can find you. To give Squarespace a try and get 10% off your hosting plan, go to this webpage bit.ly t3 dash squarespace. That way they'll know that you've heard about them here at Translation Confessional. Once again, the webpage is bit.ly t3 dash Hope you like it. Now, here's an article that was written by a dear friend, great journalist, translator, and interpreter from Brazil, Denise Bobadilha. It has some more examples and a different perspective about today's topic, so I wanted to bring in her point of view on it. Check out this episode's description for a link to her original article in Portuguese. And, since we're on the subject, keep in mind that I had to transcreate and localize Denise's original article too, not only because I was translating the content into English, but because I also had to adapt it or transcreate it to an audiovisual medium. A famous international cosmetics brand has been using a very powerful slogan for about half a century Because I'm Worth It. The original was created in the early 1970s by a 23 year old copywriter at an advertising agency. Since then, it has changed into because you're worth it. And most recently, in 2009, it got changed to because we're worth it. In Brazil, the slogan in Portuguese became porque você vale muito? That is, because you're worth a lot or because you're really valued. A version using we is also being used on the official Brazilian website, but it's not as prominent as the classic localization. Now, in Portugal, the slogan in Portuguese became Porque nós merecemos, that is, because we deserve it. This original slogan is simple and translatable, so it can be easily incorporated into other cultures and languages. And this empowering slogan dates back to the early 1970s, even before the word empowerment became a thing. Great universal slogans have been transcreated from English and localized to become a perfect fit in other languages. A large fast food chain has been using I'm loving it for a number of years now, and it became Amo muito tudo isso in Brazil, which means I really love all this. In Spanish, it became Me encanta, that is, I like it, I love it, it enchants me. There's also Taste the Feeling, the most recent slogan of the most popular beverage in the world, which became Sinta o Sabor in Brazil and Siente el Sabor in Spanish, both meaning Feel the Taste. Coming up with a slogan may take several weeks, sometimes months of hard teamwork. In some cases, it can be attributed to a single inspired individual, but that's very rare. In a globalized world, slogans are crafted to be easily adapted to other cultures. However, advertising goes beyond slogans, and the lingo isn't always easily translatable. Different cultures have different references that may be tied in to an extremely competitive world where information is consumed fast. And that's where transcreation comes in. Transcreating is the act of freely translating the original. When a translator or translation team is faced with such a task, they must go beyond working on it on the language level and aim for cultural adaptation, even if it means coming up with an ad copy that will be larger or smaller, longer or shorter when compared to the original. Here are some examples. References to family gatherings during Thanksgiving, which is a North American tradition, could be adapted into Christmas without a change to the meaning of the original ad copy. Metaphors related to American football could be adapted into soccer, or football, as the rest of the world refers to the sport played with feet. However, there is always a risk. Translators must leave aside their personal references and look into what is understood locally thus finding references that will work for the target audience. Translators must also have a deep understanding of what the original message is trying to convey, because adapting cultural references will not suffice when there are particularities involved. For example, if the original ad copy is selling helmets worn by American football players, it won't make much sense if you transcreate the entire thing with soccer in mind. Transcreation has become more popular and requested lately when related to advertising, marketing, sales, and press releases about a new product or service. Now, you must be thinking, isn't that what we call localization? Well, not always. Localization also requires us to adapt the original content according to the culture and language of the target audience. However, these changes are usually focused on less subjective items such as units of measure, including weight, distance, and temperature, or specific information about local laws and policies. We usually resort to localizations when translating software, apps, games, manuals, training materials, surveys, and product testing, for example. And what is then classified as a pure and simple translation, even though translations aren't often pure and simple? Well, almost anything else. Besides creative work, like literature and subtitling, of course, translation requests may involve corporate and financial reports, scientific and academic studies, regular documents, news stories, documentaries and nonfiction, fiction patents, and etc., etc. When working with texts of such nature, translators must remain as close as possible to the original, while observing language-related discrepancies, of course. Well, I hope you enjoyed Denise's insight on the subject. I guess the takeaway message here is, different projects require different skills, and not everybody is equipped to provide all language-related services in the translation and interpretation world. Or, should I say, translation, interpretation, transcreation, localization,